Well, hello and welcome to episode number 390 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Carlos here and in this week's show, One Airline Goes All Plastic. Uh, One Airport introduces some lovely charges and someone finds an engine for Trump's 757. In the military, Wiley Coyote hits the streets. What did I say? Willie Coyote hits the streets. And he's armed this time. And we have thunderbolts and elephants and lots of airplanes to protect the G20 World Leader Summit. So joining me across the village here in the lovely, glorious county of Suffolk, where it is currently seven degrees Celsius, it is, of course, Matt Smith. Honestly, we've been on air like two minutes and you already said the word Willie. What's the matter with you? I, well, it's Wiley Coyote. It looks like is it? Well, no, it's no, it, it is Wiley Coyote. It? It's absolutely Wiley Coyote. I don't know why you changed it. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Anyway, anyway. how well, is yeah, Mister Smith yeah, this you week? You guys can get away with anything up there. <laughs> yeah, that's true, our, our childhood <laughs> cartoon names. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you Brits had it first. Meep meep. Yeah, you had everything first. Indeed, yeah. We're going to have to ask you to turn you up again, because it's not switching. You're so quiet, Armando, it's not switching to you now. Oh, bless me, so quiet. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. oh, my word. Oh, hello. Oh, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Okay. Anyway, Mr. Matt, Smith. how are you? Yes. <laughs> Having a nervous breakdown currently. I don't know what anyone else is doing. <laughs> but hey, you know, it's a it's a standard Friday night, really, isn't it? <laughs> I, like, I like your uh, background this evening, Matt. Yes, absolutely. Now, Jonathan Warner has given me... F- this is Obviously, this is a Jonathan Warner picture. I only ever have Jonathan Water... Pi- Water? Jonathan Water pictures Jonathan. on my... <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we, like, start again? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Uh, that's a nice, that's a nice picture. Thank you. That's yeah, I, I'll try and have a go at the pronunciation of of whatever it is, unless Armando's able to, uh, able to identify it. Uh, is that a S two? Um, I'll yeah. Why not? Uh, <laughs> I'll that's what Dan looks like. Yeah, uh, he, he's he's already spoken anyway. But we'll introduce him anyway because <laughs> we have to as part of the show. Uh, introducing as well this week uh, another glorious member of the team. It is of course the fantastic. Armando. Oh, I thought you were talking about John. John is here too, by the way, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, John. He is a glorious, fantastic member of the team. Yes, he is our fabulous that, producer. Yes. He is the conductor that keeps this train on the tracks. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's doing really, really well at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back, as usual. Always uh, happy to be here live. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So, what's been going on in the world of Armando this week? Oh my gosh, lots of flying. Uh, been flying all over the place. They uh, completed all my check rides, so I'm um, uh, PIC on our in our charter operation. And like everybody else, we had uh, when I started flying with these guys about three months ago, we had three captains and three first officers. We are down to I am the only captain oh. and, and one first officer because uh, one went to Delta, one's going to PSA, oh, no. one is going to a medical uh, transport company. So pilot hiring right now is is so uh, intense that people are shuffling around and, and uh, some of us that are just pretty happy doing the charter business are, are kind of being left out in the cold because uh, everybody's moving moving out. So I mean, when uh, you basically... But- I'm flying like 18 
18 days a month. Wow. Which is okay. I mean, but when you think, obviously, what the industry's been through the last sort of like 18 months, you know, coming up on two years very soon. I mean, that must in some respects be, a, a you know, a, a relief almost that, you know, oh, yeah. that there's now more jobs than pilots, which I guess is the problem we had like before this all started. I mean, I remember having conversations about pilot shortages like long before the COVID happened yeah yeah <laughs> no absolutely it's it is a great thing i'm not i'm certainly not complaining it's more flight time for me and it's a great opportunity for everyone that has been waiting that had to almost put their career plans on pause for the yeah. year yeah uh, much like everybody else had to put their life on pause for a year but it's it's a sign it's a good sign in the industry business aviation as we continue to say is booming as is uh, commercial aviation and cargo really on honestly cargo is, is doing really well too so everybody is doing well and this is a good problem to have because all those uh, uh, kids that were in flight schools and essentially yeah. had paid we you know up to eighty thousand um, dollars for flight training and everything had to wonder well should i go work into in another industry mm-hmm. um during during COVID. so, so yeah anyway it's uh indeed yeah, it's a good sign. Indeed. So we are missing uh, Nev this week, as you probably see. Nev's away this week, and uh, he's—I think he's on his tra- way traveling back. So he should be mm. um, hopefully back in, in the good old UK soon. Uh, so hopefully he'll have some great passenger experience Ooh, yes. uh, tales to tell us next week. Hopefully, hopefully not similar to the experiences you had at Stansted coming back from Malta. <laughs> I hope not as well. And I did notice this week, Matt, actually in our local rag here uh, in our Suffolk, we had there was a big piece this week about uh, the exactly same thing happening again at Stansted. Oh, okay. and people right. were going mental right okay fair enough yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah that uh, hopefully he'll, he'll be back next week with us and uh, yeah we'll look forward to hearing from uh, nev about his his travels because mm. he has been he's, he's been a few miles he's been a traveling yeah <laughs> well it's the beginning of the month and as we always do at the beginning of each month it's time to thank some incredibly special and fabulous and marvelous people who help to keep us moving along the rails so armando who are we thanking this month yeah i can't thank these people enough i always say it and uh, now that we're doing these excess baggage uh, segments for our patreon supporters now uh, hopefully we get to hear more for them and from them and it's kind of your chance to uh, shape the content of the show but i'd like to thank dirk s sasha beer Stephen Ivey. Oh, Stephen Ivey. We love that guy. Uh, Nicholas Codling. Warren Dixon. Luis Caceres, fellow Puerto Rican. Andrew Vandersog. Alan White. Stephen Howland. Tanya Wyman. Megan Carrion. Who's that? Wait a minute. Never heard of her. I was wondering what that draft from the bank account was. Uh, Jacob Darlington Brown. Up it, mate. Up it. See if he notices. Uh, I would notice. She does the finances in the house. Fair enough. Yeah. The lovely Masha. Uh, Owen Shimizuzu. I don't know who that guy is. Yeah, he's a bit special, isn't he? Ruben Wells. It's been a while since we heard from him. Neil Lanwarn. Graham Haley. Been a while since we've heard from him. Yeah, that's true. Jonathan Warner, the uh, official PTUK photographer. Yeah, Eric Graves. Never heard of him again. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Caton, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson. Who's this Captain Jeff guy? Um, actually, just kidding. I'll see him in a couple weeks. Oh, really? Uh, Adam Spink, the lovely Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, Myla, who always sends these beautiful Christmas cards. I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah. Uh, 
Or maybe you guys don't get them, and I do. Mm. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. We get them. Calm down. <laughs> Evan Shu, uh, Philip Lubby, uh, Stuart Becker, Stuart Becker, uh, Ray Williams, and of course, well, we're going to hear from her a little bit later in the show. Stephanie Plummer. And some uh, traditional PayPal donators. Uh, Tony Stubbings, Jennifer Parkinson, Craig Yorosku, and Mazuz Karim, who is uh, always in the chat room just keeping yeah. us. As is Jenny. Straight. Jenny's just joined us actually as well, hasn't she? So, uh, oh, hi, Jenny. Yeah. You and see? Jacob. And Nick. And Micah. And, and Nev. Duh, Nev. And Nev. I know Nev. What? Oh, no, he's, no, Nev's only there to make sure we started on time. That's that's the only reason oh, he's there. Oh, my goodness. I that know. guy shouldn't be. He shouldn't be in yeah. the chat room. Right Why now. is he watching us when he's on holiday? What's oh. Nev, go away. <laughs> Cut the cord, Nev. Oh, <laughs> Unplug, Nev. Unplug. <laughs> it, it, would, it would do this while they're on holiday. You. Honestly. <laughs> anyway, thanks anyway. to all our Patreon and PayPal donors. That uh, you guys are awesome. And uh, again, please send in some feedback to, yeah. as to what you want to hear in those excess baggage uh, yeah. segments. So mm. there are some good ones to come actually. So uh, yes, yeah. yes, Before I've got I've got some to uh, we, we'll have a chat about after that because uh, we've got a handful to send of while we the week while we were all off. We've got some stuff to to send in, mm. haven't we? So uh, yeah, we'll get. Uh, yeah. That, uh, done. Speaking of cutting the cord, we all had a week off, and what did we do? We recorded segments. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, okay. All right. Maybe maybe we shouldn't be quite so mean to Neff then as a result. Anyway, on the note of chat room, big hello to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Going to run through the family members quickly. Richard Adams, Lee Davies, uh, GB's Model Zone, Nick Coddling, Mazus Karim, hello to you. Richard Adams, I've done Richard. Jacob Darlington Brown, morning. Blimey, it must be like four past six and six a.m something or something like that yeah absolutely. uh sturman hello to you sturman not not long ago i saw you actually yeah this afternoon uh my man micah uncle micah dirk s jan hubner hello to you jan hope you are well uh john clard is also in there it's nice to see john in there you know wielding the blue spanner of doom of course yes. and uh jenny obviously jenny over in yep. rome hope it's warmer there where you are jenny because it's freezing here <laughs> uh, katie brame hello yeah. to you katie yeah, hello keeping an eye on us making sure that the making that those, sure those that park radio there. people are behaving themselves i know yeah. <laughs> so if you are listening to the audio version of the show and you haven't already seen what an absolute glorious Technicolor dream the live show is, take yourselves over to YouTube and look for us playing Talking UK. Hit the subscribe button and the bell icon, which is right next door, to be notified when we are live and recording lovely new episodes like we are now. Well, Because we would love to have you in the chat Indeed. room. Oh, yes. oh uh, Carlos, actually, while I remember, uh, Katie needs uh, uh, a crash course in flight radar. 24 all right oh Just, yeah yeah she, right. she needs to do some plane stalking um, okay katie so, yeah um, absolutely <laughs> let me know katie yeah give us a call sort that we'll sort that out for you don't, don't worry very good panic. excellent right so guys and guys and guys and guys stewie and thomas do we know stewie thomas who's hello stewie, stewie thomas oh hello stewie Cool. Wait, who's Stewie? Where's Stewie from? Know. Every time I see the word stewie, I, I immediately think family guy. I can't. I... Oh, <laughs> Okay, I'm being told off. I'm too quiet, apparently. It's too quiet. You're fine. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> anyway, we have got some great uh, news to get through this week and some military news. And also, we have got a segment to play. And as uh, Mondo said earlier, we have got a little piece uh, from Steph. We have, Steph, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So if everyone's ready to do some commercial commercial, commercial <laughs> news... What have you been drinking? Seriously. I, I, I love that he just said we have some great stories and then some military. 
I know. Isn't that lovely? I did not mean it you like that. You absolutely did. Though. What a rap Every... you are. Yeah. Nev is channeling his inner... Inner grey stuff. Yes. With absolutely. Me. Absolutely. And it's like Captain Al's here trying to do us out of the military already. <laughs> anyway, should we do some? Let's do some commercial news, everyone. Everyone ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Kicking off this week's first news story from the Washington Post and IATA.org. And I know it's everyone's all about this going greeny kind of thing and the all save the planet and this thing that's going on wherever it is in Glasgow, is it somewhere? And I should turn my phone on. You should, as well. absolutely, yes. Who just text? Who just text a group chat? That was one of you guys' yeah. fault. Yeah, it that was. Yeah, was well, Armando's if fault. If you remember, like what we do, Carlos, is we use that to communicate with each other during the show, so that we, we don't, do. so yeah. that we don't draw attention to anything stupid that might be going on in the background. But you know, if you want to, you know, <laughs> anyway, if you so want to highlight thing, it, go nuts. This, you know? this thing that's going on in Glasgow is it Armando's going to take a phone it? call. I didn't know if anybody it is was there. <laughs> So anyway, my, on. my beer actually this week comes from Glasgow. Okay, right. Uh, and uh, the story is this week, Alaska Airlines is getting rid of plastic bottles and cups Good. for water. So in an effort to curb in-flight waste, Alaska Airlines is getting rid of single-use plastic bottles and cups for water beginning on Thursday. Instead of plastic bottles, the airline will use boxed water bottles. Uh, which is better, apparently. The brand that uses 92% plant-based cartons. Wow, I hope they're not as good as those drawers that uh, McDonald's use. <laughs> anyway, uh, for now, Alaska Airlines will continue using plastic cups to serve other beverages, such as soda and alcohol. In 2019, Alaska Airlines, which is the fifth largest U.S. carrier, started looking at uh, what single-use items on board had the biggest environmental impact. By a large, uh, plastic bottles were the worst uh, contributor of waste, said Todd Trainer, Kari Managing Director and Guest Products for the airline. And even though a big percentage of them are recycled, many of them did end up inevitably in landfills or in the ocean. Conversations around plastics were accelerated when Alaska started giving passengers individual bottles of water in lieu of its normal refreshment service during the pandemic. Uh, trainer Corey said the change will remove an estimated 22 million plastic cups and 32 million plastic bottles or around 1.8 million pounds of single-use plastics from flights through 2022. To put that figure in perspective, that's equivalent to the weight of 18 Boeing 737s. Wow. Alaska Airlines moves comes uh, after other green initiatives from the company, like having passengers pre-order food, fresh food items before their flights to reduce waste. Uh, according to IATA, a study into cabin waste was conducted in 2012 and 2013. A typical passenger generates 1.43 kilos of cabin waste. Uh, across both short and long haul international flights, of which 23% was untouched food. How could you? I always eat all my food. And drink, and a further 17% comprises of recyclable materials, e.g., plastics and newspapers. Commercial airlines account for over 5.5 million tons of waste every year, the majority of which ends up in landfill or incinerators. Uh, hello, thank you. Sorry there. 
a little bit of cough there, uh, before the pandemic, this was projected to grow to 10 million tonnes per year by 2030. Well, they're doing well here. Um, it, it's obviously a move that I think all the airlines should move towards. Although these uh, these boxed waters, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to see. They must have a kind of a wax coating on the inside. Well, no, they're, no, they're, would, no, um... they're exactly the same as the milk and juice cartons that we've been using for mm. years. They don't. I mean, it it makes perfect. I'm, I'm surprised we haven't gone down that route before. Before, and the only reason I can think of is maybe that the plastic bottles at the moment are cheaper to produce. So perhaps that's the the issue. Maybe they need to sort of you know look into making the the paper ones more, you know more more cost effective perhaps then because you know I mean we we're used to having orange juice cartons in cardboard collapsible um, you know containers. So you know I mean absolutely I think it makes makes sense. You know uh, Neil Lamorne apparently in the chat room has a solution <laughs> um, which Kevin is Al generates more than that. No, that's not the one. Um, I, it's uh, I don't know. It hasn't come oh, up on my info. Cabin crew will walk around with a hose, right? I mean, that's that, that is an option. A... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. It would be it would be good for crowd control, I suppose. True, true. Kick off. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It could be could be the new solution to the jet two fighting, couldn't it? <laughs> or or if you remove the carpets from the aircraft, it would be an easy way of just cleaning the aircraft. Just um, you know. Pressure right, just sort of pressure wash it down. Right, okay. So Alaskan could be greener still by only serving alcohol, skipping water entirely. That's Richard Adams' suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's definitely the right one there. Actually, uh, you know, what? on that, on this note about this recycling thing, I will say one thing for Jet Two. When they when they collected the um, when they collected the waste um, before we arrived at Malta, they do actually collect the. The, bot, the plastic bottles and all the other bits of plastics and stuff in a separate bag to the right. general okay. kind of food waste yeah. bag. So, actually, genuinely, yeah. a D- Dirk's question here. We, we'll we'll have to ask um, our cabin crew friend this one, but it says I bet they can fit more of those in carts because they're cube shaped. I wonder if that mm, genuinely has a yeah, because you haven't got the. Does it really make that much difference? I'd be intrigued. I suppose you could stack them better. That's mm. the only thing I can think of. Ah, and um, they probably won't fall over as easy if they're on your tray table. True, that is true, because they've got a flat bottom, haven't they? Mm, yes. Mm. Uh, Mainman Micro is saying the plastic bottles are recycled into fleece and carpet. Nice. <laughs> nice. I like it. Fiji like water it. is also a cube-shaped plastic. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, Matt, your next yes. story is a nice techie one just for you. Right, okay, good. I mean, you, you, you say that in the... The, the you say that in the loosest uh, possible term, I suppose. The headline is Ryanair introduces digital travel assistant and service self service hub. This is on futuretravelexperience.com dot com is the website, and uh, Ryanair has launched a suite of digital enhancements to further improve customer service and provide easy access to flight information. Among the initiatives are new day of travel app assistance, uh, the digital self service hub, and my Ryanair wallet. Using the new Day of Travel app, customers will be able to get live updates and notifications about the airport, terminal and gate information. Uh, Passengers will receive live videos and webcasts from Ryanair's operations centre during major disruptions. The app also provides easy access to boarding passes, certificates and other travel documents. Customers will be able to use the new digital self-service hub to change flights, update passenger info 
add bags, seats and other services. The airline has improved its chat function to allow passengers to manage every aspect of their booking without calling the customer service team. The My Ryanair wallet gives customers quick access to book flights using their wallet balance and provides real-time status updates on refunds. Uh, Ryanair's Director of Marketing, Dara Brady, said, We are pleased to launch these innovative customer improvements, which will enhance the travel experience of our guests. For customers who need extra assistance, they can now track their interactions with Ryanair across calls, email, chat, social, and receive live status updates online. In rare cases of cancellations, customers who request a refund can now get confirmation and access to it within 24 hours in My Ryanair. Air and will be a refunded to the t- original form of payment within five working days. Our first ever customer panel meeting in September was instrumental in driving these service improvements and we look forward to receiving further panel feedback at our second meeting in early 2022 to help us develop more ways to improve our customer experience while we lower airfares post-COVID-19 and grow to carry 225 million passengers Per Ooh. annum. Now we've got uh, how much will it cost you? Thomas is suggesting, which is probably a good point. Um, uh, now it's uh, it's basically sort of yeah, it's a it's sort of an app version of. So apparently this is an an ad that we're we're playing here. Am I playing this with sound, John? Okay, right here we go. Then let's have a quick look at the ad. Introducing Ryanair's new customer improvements. Thanks to feedback from our customers, we're launching new customer initiatives to make flying with us as simple as possible. Manage your trip through our new digital self-service hub where you can change your flight and passenger names, update contact information, or add bags and seats. And with our improved chat, FAQs, and how-to videos, you can now manage every aspect of your booking online without the need to contact our customer service team. But if you do need to contact us, whether by phone, chat, social, or email, our digital self-service hub will track the history of your interactions with the latest status updates. When it's time to fly, our new day of travel assistant on the Ryanair app will make your journey through the airport easier. Receive live updates 48 hours from departure relating to your terminal, gate, and flight all straight to your phone. And for major disruptions that happen from time to time, you'll now get updates through in-app videos live from our operations centre to keep you informed on what we're doing to minimise your delay. In the event of a cancellation, refund requests will be processed within 24 hours to your new My Ryanair wallet, allowing you to conveniently book new flights or in one simple click, withdraw your refund to the original form of payment, which we will process in five working days. These are just some of the ways we're making flying with Ryanair even better. For the lowest fares, on-time flights, lowest emissions, and now even better customer service, fly Ryanair, Europe's number one airline. Right, now, so why, why go... do I can say why do I feel like uh, that this already exists? But anyway, go on, carry on. <laughs> uh, we're going to go to the chat room immediately uh, for a comment from Mr. Bounds. Oh goodness, help who us. says passengers who need extra assistant assistance will be given a BA ticket. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh wow okay I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised by that particular comment but uh, yeah I, I, yeah I, it's just I don't know I, I've, haven't EasyJet got something like this already it's I, an improvement I, I, on their it, it, the current app they had. I mean, this is an improvement on the on the app they had before. Definitely. Well, the app they had before was really only for buying tickets, wasn't it? I mm. mean, I mean, although to be fair, you did have the you did have the QR code and everything for the flight uh, in the the app, didn't you? But um, two things, yeah. Right? Go on. How easy is it going to be to chat to an actual human being through the app, as in a call centre person? And secondly, how good or how responsive and quick is the chat function going to be? you know, the actual um, message chat function. On I mean, app. one of the advantages about a, a chat function is one person can be handling two or three chats at mm. any one time. So I suppose you could argue there is a cost saving here, perhaps. Or staff, um, staff saving. Although I do I do like the idea, I mean, as I, you know, for the company that I work for, um, all of your communications that you have with the company end up on the account. If you see what I mean, so and that's uh, you know, and it regardless of whether you've emailed in, whether you've been in, whether you've phoned in, or whether you've used like the in-app functions or use social media or anything like that, it's mm. all it's all in one place. So actually, um, certainly from a uh, from a you know somebody who's trying to sort out a problem, um, that's a really useful function. Um, I'm part of me surprised that something like this didn't already exist. Jenny in Rome is pulling them up on their grammar. Oh, really? Yeah, um, FAQ or FAQs. Yes. Um, why the apostrophe? Okay, right. Mm. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Nicely spotted, says Nev. Yes, um, well, quite, yes. Ne- Nev will be all over that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, there's. Um, yeah, I think I think each, uh, all the major American airlines are, are already have some version of this. I know, you know, I, apply 90% on American and the American app tells me everything I need to know. It advises me of changes, seat changes, equipment changes, uh, delays, uh, gate changes. Uh, I could, if my flight gets delayed, I can, uh, rebook a flight right through the app and it, and it prompts me to do so. It's like, I would call it a digital personal assistant or travel assistant. Um, additionally, it, it uh, when they're asking for volunteers, you know, cause mm-hmm. a flight is oversold, It'll uh, send you a little thing on your app that says, hey, would you like to volunteer? How much would you like to volunteer for? It's like a bidding system. You, know, you can select, ah, I'll move for 100 bucks or 400 bucks, or I want to wait for the, for the, you know, the big money maker at 1000 yeah. bucks or something like that. And, and uh, I, think, I think it only helps expedite the whole process. I, don't, yeah. I am also surprised that Ryan didn't, didn't have something like this. Yeah, it? absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I'm being very cynical. I think it's a way of, uh, of saving money. I think that's what their big, uh, their big uh, mandate for this is. If I'm honest, I don't think it is mainly for, you know, for the, for the benefit of the customer. Also, GB Model Zone is saying, because I, I mean, I think, you know, this will be a way of, of, of lowering the headcount in the customer service center, mm. if I'm honest. Uh, and uh, GB Model Zone has a very good point. They're saying apps, the app's no good to him because I think basically from his comment, he's got a third nokia 3310 i think um mm. which is uh you know <laughs> got no internet and can't uh can't Rich download Adams an app which is a good point but makes um, a good point as well he yeah. says chats are normally run by bots rather than humans these days um I- i'm gonna dispute that slightly because you <gasps> can Richard adams he's disputing you no no th- no the only i mean usually usually it's a, a glorified sort of 
No, we're not starting a fight. I'm, John's saying, am I starting a fight? No, I'm not starting a fight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> well, uh, b- before we continue on this fight, uh, yeah. producer John also had a really good point that something that we don't have here or, or not as much as you, you, we don't have to deal with as many languages and, and nationalities True. as you guys do over here. So Ryanair customers, you would have to produce that app and produce all the messages and True. Yeah. in their preferred languages without language mixes. Yeah, that's a very good point. That is a very good point. And um, Nick, just to finish this, Nick comes up with the best comment ever. On the plus side, the 3310 hasn't been charged since May. Right. Because <laughs> if, if you remember, those those phones used to go on for months well a week anyway yeah absolutely i mean what the hell are you doing with yours <laughs> i used to send i used to send text messages i used to send text ha- messages you know ha- yeah, yeah i actually have okay. a, a quick request uh, that we do story four and then come back to story three okay uh, just because right. of timing okay okay um so i'll go ahead and take story four uh this right. is from cnbc.com at least the story that we are talking about but this was very public here in the U.S. American Airlines, uh, this is well as of as of yesterday, was reducing flight cancellations, but staffing challenges continue to disrupt travel. So American Airlines this last Monday uh, canceled more than 460 flights, or 16% of its mainline schedule, as the carrier scrambled to stabilize its operation after reporting staffing shortages that led to travel disruptions for tens of thousands of people over the weekend. Um, Fort Worth-based airline canceled more than 2,300 mainline flights since Friday. So I think this was happening while we were on the show. Um, and and Friday I was flying, and, and we were getting uh, tons of phone calls of people stranded in Charlotte, North Carolina, oh. trying to get to their destination. Wow. Yeah, and uh, Saturday was no better. I think it actually got worse. But uh, American Airlines ended up blaming high winds on Thursday and shortfall of crews. So just like we talked about with Southwest Airlines a couple weeks ago, it was just this amalgamation of just complete Swiss cheese where all the holes lined up and and, uh, just disrupted the entire system. But on Sunday alone, they canceled more than 1,000 flights. Uh, That's about 30% of Americans' operation. That's uh, all those numbers according to FlightAware. Um, this affected at least 136,000 customers. Um, that's according to a company document, which was viewed by uh, CNBC. So most of the cancellations, they, the American Airlines says, was uh, a lack of available crew. Um, the union that represents Americans' flight attendants said over the weekend that it received an alarming number of cabin crew assignments that go beyond the monthly maximums and that's you know those are federal air regulations so you can't really get around that too much um they uh association of professional flight attendants said in a note that uh, the fact that there is inadequate staffing to cover the operation as it is currently structured is not the fault of the flight attendants um, the airline didn't provide any additional comments the tuesday schedule appeared to be closer to normal with just 28 flights canceled now, Americans, obviously, is just the latest in the major disruptions to hit air travelers in the last few months as uh, these airlines are struggling to cater to this growing travel demand that, we're, that we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Um, and they're urging thousands of workers to take buyouts or leave of absences during the pandemic last year, and uh, now we've resulted in staffing shortages. <laughs> um, so... Man, we're just on a on a roller coaster, aren't we? You know, uh, Southwest Airlines. I think at the end of the day, it, it ended up costing them about seventy five million dollars. Um, 
and as a result of their meltdown a couple of weeks ago, they ended up cutting the 2021 schedule um, for a second time, so it can avoid avoid certain strains, which we did talk about on the show. Is it, it highlighted some some weaknesses in the Southwest Airlines point to point system as opposed to everybody else's hub and spoke system. Right there you go. So if you were flying American this last weekend. Um, hopefully you got a chance to catch up on all your PTUK episodes because <laughs> you were stranded either in Dallas, Chicago, <laughs> New York, Charlotte, you know, many, some, many like different that. places. I hope the, uh, <laughs> I hope the floor of the DFW terminal C mm. was comfortable. Warm, heated. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're looking for. Yeah. But, oh, uh, dear. yeah, what are you, what are you going to do? It's, uh, you know, as we come out of this cocoon, then we're trying to, everybody's trying to figure it out. But it, but as they said, as the uh, union said, it's not, it's not the flight crew's fault. This is a, this is a, a management issue. This is. You did, know, there you go. Did, did we see Steph's uh, comment in the chat room there <laughs> about to get on an AA flight to JFK? Wish me luck that it didn't get del- doesn't get delayed or cancelled. <laughs> well, according to this, you only have a one percent chance of getting cancelled because oh. the schedule is almost back to normal. Hopefully, that's not okay. the New York. The New York. Yeah. York? No, 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 come on. I mean, Steph's like the luckiest human being on planet Earth, isn't she? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> she, be, yeah. she won't be that 1%. Yeah. They wouldn't Plus dare. She's got when they, a they, bazillion miles. Absolutely. If the flight, if the flight <laughs> is cancelled, they'll reinstate it when they realise Steph is trying to get on it. That, that's that's what'll happen. They're trying to, they're trying to use Steph's. Uh, they actually put Steph in a wind tunnel to figure out the aerodynamics of her running. Right. So they can yeah. uh, adjust the newest airplanes that are coming up right. to be more efficient. Of course. Absolutely. So, um, she can probably run to New York faster than <laughs> most of these airplanes true anyways uh true speaking that. of stuff yes uh, okay. indeed okay so we're going to be doing story uh i think we're doing story so th- the next story then comes to us from mylondon.news and um, this one is all regarding those glorious things that we love at airports called drop-off charges so that's those charges you get just for dropping your your gran off to catch a flight to uh, Scarborough for the weekend. So this uh, story goes then Monday, this week on Monday, Heathrow Airport introduced a long-anticipated drop-off charge, which the airport commented has been introduced to improve air quality around the airport. The uh, charge has also been linked to attempts by Heathrow to make up for massive losses around £2 billion that occurred um, incurred due the pa- during the pandemic and reduced travel. Motorists that enter the drop-off zone are required to pay £5. Well, that is in dollars. I'm under, I'll have to look for that one. And have to pay the charge online or via an automated phone service. Failure to pay within a certain time frame could see parking fines slip through their letterboxes. Heathrow is using AMPR, or Automatic Number Plate Recognition Cameras, to identify the vehicles present in the drop-off zones. The new charge applies to most, almost everyone, including taxi drivers and private hire cars. There are exemptions to blue badge holders, emergency services, I should hope so, coaches, operational vehicles and colleague buses. To avoid the charge, you'll have to park in the uh, long-stay car park and hop on the airport shuttle service. The charges fell on the same day as all remaining countries were removed from the red list, which sees travel easing once more. 
process was delayed uh, initially and was meant to come into place a month ago on October the 1st. So one to bear in mind then if you are dropping a family member off at London Heathrow, uh, it's probably best that you drop them off in I don't know, central London and get them to walk in. <laughs> tube it um, in. Tube it in, yeah. Tube it in, even. Yeah, yeah even so. That's actually not... Well, five pounds doesn't seem it. too bad, I'll be honest with you, because when I dropped off, when I picked up and dropped off Lisa and Lee from Stansted, that was £7.50. I have a feeling there's a drop time them off. limit on that, actually. Oh, no, there is. No, it 10, minute, 10 minutes is the, te- is the time limit at uh, 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 Stansted. Um, so for seven pound fifty, you have exactly ten minutes to drop them for off. Seven pound fifty for seven pound fifty. Wow! So actually, five pounds at the you know, arguably the UK's busiest airport, biggest, airport, yeah. biggest uh, and biggest airport. I I feel is frankly a steal in comparison to to Stansted. <laughs> yes. Um, in the chat uh, room says improve air quality around the airport. Oh come on! What a blatant <laughs> lie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, somebody needs a new car. Uh, I think that's probably what's going on there. There's there's some M- there. some MD wants a wants a you know a bonus. I think that's probably actually, what it is. Actually, I, uh... I I just this week looked at parking actually at Heathrow for December just for a week. Right. I actually, I was quite surprised. It actually didn't work. It wasn't too bad. Um, taking Nev's advice to book the pod parking, yeah. they call it there at Heathrow, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really good because it takes you straight to the, the terminal and stuff. Um, but but it was only a hundred quid for a week, which I didn't think was that bad, really. That is especially quite a lot of money because taking... you also don't don't take this the wrong way, but you could almost get somebody to take you and drop you off and come back again for that. You know, you're probably only looking at a, van as well. But you're only that looking at a forty pound return each way, so you could you could pay someone, you know, you and you could still bug them twenty quid for their trouble and and have the convenience of being picked up and dropped off right outside the front. I mean, the pod's quite cool, fiber. don't get me wrong. The pod is cool. The pod is cool. I'm, I, I'm not <laughs> going to take that away, but no. it's just, that that isn't... I don't think that's the bargain you think it is, if I'm no, honest. I think but, it was too bad. You know, £100 is an awful lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more expensive than actually the car hire was in Malta two weeks well, ago. Yeah, to I, well, yeah, there's my point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's my whole point. Oh, but, uh, okay, so... so the... you, <laughs> You'd have to pay me to go to Stansted, Nick says. Actually, Nick, uh, who's, who said that? Oh, Nick. Nick Codling, yeah. Nick, yeah. I, I, after my experience a few weeks ago, Nick, I, I yeah. very, very tarnished. <laughs> Nick says, uh, yeah, you'd have to pay me to go to Stansted. Yeah, I think, um, well, I did pay. I paid seven quid. Right. To, and it, to, to skip the to make To queue. make your flight. Yeah. To make my flight, yeah. you know, seven quid yeah. to get past the, um, yeah. the, the fast track security honestly uh, main man marker is saying for that price they should also give you a, a lube oil and filter and a wash the windows as well <laughs> well Sorry, i'm just reading the chat room right anyway, okay so matt stay, you've got stay on a, task carlos come on focus technical <laughs> you've got a technical story uh for your next story number six and uh 5g i mean yeah I, i'm i was mm. toying on getting a 5g phone but i didn't in the end i might mine is a 5g uh my, my, mine is a 5G uh, phone, actually, to be fair. So, uh, anyway, it's uh, avweb.com is the website. And the headline is FAA to take regulatory action over 5G ultimator, ultimeter interference. So Altimeter. The, uh, ultimeter, sorry. All right. Uh, the FAA <laughs> plans to issue a special airworthiness 
uh, information bulletin and an airworthiness directive in coming days to uh, in concerning the rollout of 5G cellular phone service in 46 major metropolitan areas of the US on December the 5th, according to Reuters. The actions are expected to limit the use of automated systems on aircraft that rely on radar altimeters, also called radio altimeters, and the it's possible that flight delays and cancellations will result. Reuters also quoted a letter from the FAA Deputy Administrator Bradley Mims that uh, says the agency shares the deep concern about the potential impact to aviation safety resulting in uh, interference to radar uh, performance from 5G network operations in the C band. In an auction of Radio Spectrum last year, the major telecoms paid a total of $78 billion in an FCC auction to get access to a thin slice of the finite range of available radio frequencies to carry 5G signals. Those signals will be in the 3.7 and 3.98 gigahertz part of the so-called C-band, which is apparently the sweet spot for carrying the data-heavy 5G signals. Uh, data altimeters uh, operate in the 4.2 to 4.4 gigahertz frequency range, which is their sweet spot. And the fear is that the nearby powerful uh, powerful cell signals will cause interference for the avionics. The FCC approved the use of the spectrum for 5G, saying well-designed radio altimeter equipment should not ordinarily receive any insignificant inter- in interference, let alone harmful interference. But aviation groups say that the, the risk for thousands of aircraft is real and the FAA seems to agree. The precise nature of the impending rulemaking hasn't been revealed yet, but radar altimeters are fundamental to the operation of instrument landing systems since they provide the primary altitude information for decision height in Category 2 and Category 3 approaches. They're also the source of altitude data for ground proximity warning systems. The US approach to the 5G rollout differs from that of Canada, which is also concerned about the radar altimeter if interference. As we reported earlier, Canadian radio spectrum authorities have placed restrictions on the use of 5G transmitters near major airports to ensure that there is no interference with radio altimeters. Major telecoms in Canada are uh, protesting the move, saying it will keep them from offering the latest wireless services to many businesses and private customers in the heavily industrialized and populated areas around major airports. And of course, that is the reality there is that, of course, you know, by definition, there's loads of people uh people um the, there's lots of uh, people at the airport so you know of course everybody's going to want 5g connectivity at these uh terminals i've been asked to sync my notes but it's not working at this end for some reason but anyway uh the so a, a brief a brief brief explanation uh an update from uh thanks to micro on this one at&t and verizon have agreed to postpone their planned 5g spectrum launch as the federal aviation administration the faa looks into potential interference with key cockpit safety systems the wall street journal has reported at&t confirmed in a statement that it has agreed to halt its planned 5g rolled out until january the 5th at the request of the department of transport the dot um so a brief summary um is 
of 5G. Basically, um, it's long story short, it's uh, uh, on a, diff a different a different radio frequency essentially to um, the 4G network, network, which which obviously we're very very familiar with. The major advantage about the technology that they're using is the method of compression that they use in there, which means that they can cram an awful lot of data into a very small airspace. That's the, the 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 long and the short of it. The advantage to us as a consumer is that we can get quite mind blowing speeds of say 500 megabits. Uh, from your mobile phone as opposed to like the 100 megabits that's only available I say only that is, is only available from your your 4G connection so uh, mm. it's a much more efficient way of you being able to uh, send large packet data which is what essentially mobile phones are doing but the, there is talk obviously of um, the other advantage with 5G is that you can roll both voice and data all into one with you know minimal overheads and all that kind of thing. So it is it is the route that mobile phone companies will very much want to go down. But because they're going nearing the free, they're they're trying to go to sort of like the similar. Um, you know they're they're, they're trying to. Uh, because they're using a different spectrum, obviously there is the risk of it interfering with uh, other services that are already already there, like these radar uh, altimeter things that they're talking about. Um, so yeah, we we've had an au the auction. So we've actually got five G here in the UK at the moment. In fact, when I'm in Norwich, I do get five G connectivity when I'm uh, at work, um, and it is mind blowingly fast. And uh, yeah, so our auction took place here a long time ago and as, as it said in the article there as you say it's a, an auction where they buy uh, each mobile phone company buys a band uh, like a band of frequencies if you see what I mean um, and then they can put their services <laughs> out on there now there was uh, here in the UK talk of uh, there essentially being um, a blanket 5G service provider that everybody would then use so you wouldn't basically what it would mean is uh, one company would be responsible for making sure that everybody could receive receive 5G services and then uh you the the um the mobile phone companies would then buy space um on you know you know to be part of that network so the the mobile phone companies wouldn't be responsible for the keeping up of the towers as where at the moment each mobile phone company is responsible for each mobile mast that goes up so there's lots of things that 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 make it very very appealable uh, appealing to companies wanting to go down that route anyway that's and a, that's kids yeah why we get matt to do all <laughs> the technical stories yeah yeah neil lamward says anybody got any crickets yes i'm sorry about that i may have gone on a little bit of a rant i'll, I'll i'm so sorry <laughs> I, no, no I, I've got, I mean it i mean it. that's why we get yeah. you to do these stories matt because you know what you're bloody talking about so um you know it's <laughs> whenever i whenever i see this story because it's on it's on a lot of the news streams at the minute but whenever i see these stories sorry sorry to interrupt about... the, the land one says as a postman i'm a fan of elastic bands oh i've got a hundred of those downstairs <laughs> red ones in the drawer right okay all i can think about is that that noise you get from the interference that's all I, oh I you don't anymore stories. though you see not since we moved down the 4g route you see you only used to get those noises when we were on like the, the 2G and 3G networks. Mm. And it was mainly phone calls, wasn't it? When, when it was yeah. just the data, yeah. uh, when it was yeah. just the voice. Uh, <laughs> is, is there a term? Is, is that you knew when you got a text message coming? That's what I used to like about yes. it. You got a warning. 
Is there I, an emoji actually, for tumbleweed, Nick says? Matt, you, Thanks, you Nick. know this. You know this, Matt. <laughs> you, you know you know when years ago when I started doing the DJing thing, yes. doing gigs, yeah. and you bequeathed me that a marvellous PA system that I currently use. Yeah. And serving you very I well, always, to be fair. It's, 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 nearly, it's, 10 years, it's nearly 10 years old. Yeah. It's an amazing PV setup. Anyway, I always remember one of the first few gigs I'd done, and I had my mobile phone sitting right next to the... To oh, the, I bet um, that was loud. Oh, my word. I bet that was quite loud. I bet that was quite loud. Uh, does any, does any private person actually need 5G? I'd be happy with... Uh, a thorough 4G service here in Germany. I was going to say, to be that, fair... That's I, a really good point, actually. Yeah. 4G, 70, 75 yeah. download here. Yeah, here. absolutely, yeah. Uh, you are more or less, as I say, I think it is possible to stretch it up to about 100 on 4G, but um, be, there isn't the, the amount... Of, oh, sorry, long story short. Not There isn't the amount of slots available on 4G that there is on 5G, so you can have oh. an awful lot more slots with an awful lot more data throughput. So, uh, in, short, uh, in short answer to your question, no, Mr. Joe Blogs really doesn't need that much data. If you're a company or a network and and you want your the people who are out on the road being able to um, sort mm. of yeah anyway we're, we're very very much getting off the topic of aviation here. Anyway, so, uh, sorry, R- Richard Adams saying uh, some providers <laughs> in some countries have been caught tweaking the 4G uh, graphic displayed on your phone to say 5G long before any genuine 5G infrastructure has been installed. That is true. That is true. Um, that that's uh, but we 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 we're glossing over that. Okay, anyway, sorry. Uh, we've got off the topic of aviation altogether. Let's, Carlos rescue the situation. Let, let's make things all posh and marvelous and wonderful now with this next story that comes to us from aircraftinteriorsinternational.com. Especially for Nev this one, moving on to BA. So Collins Aerospace have won the deal to upgrade uh, BA's 777 Club World uh, suites. This is uh, this comes to us this week. And they've uh, selected Collins Aerospace to upgrade all of the uh, Club World cabins on its fleet of 777 aircraft. The agreement includes installation of the Club Suite business class seats, uh, the Club Kitchen, and new cabin configuration. The deal will also see Collins perform uh, full cabin integration work, including engineering design, test and approval, along with program management and third-party supplier approvals. Some of the modified aircraft are already flying with the upgrades, expected to be completed by the end of 2022. The retrofitted BA777s will be operating from London Heathrow. Uh, they said that when uh, BA have said that when we launched the club suite, it was a huge hit with our customers who loved the privacy and the new seat offers, uh, said Sajida Ismail, BA's head of in-flight products, referring to the suite's privacy doors. Uh, she said that we are focused on the rollout of this product and other cabin enhancements. The club suite is a customized version of Collins Aerospace Super Diamond Business Class seat, providing long-haul passengers with privacy doors, a fully lie-flat bed, an upgraded IFE system, similar to the upgraded cabins on BA's A350 fleet. The suites are laid out in a one-to-one pattern, giving direct aisle access to all passengers, which is very important, I will say. Uh, the club kitchen is a self-service galley, wow, uh, consi- um, consisting of uh, inserts. Uh, chillers are built in with storage for snacks, drinks, and other refreshments. The upgraded Club World cabin raises BA, uh, BA's already high standards and provides commonality across the fleet of aircraft, says Trevor Skeely, General Manager of Integration Engineering for Collins Aerospace. 
He said that our integration engineering team has worked closely with BA designer, uh, designers for several years to bring the latest in business class comfort style and privacy at, from concept to reality. Through its integration of engineering group, Collins Aerospace has organized designation authority from the FAA to oversee the certification and supplemental type certificate uh, for the upgrade. Manufacturing of the new suites is being completed at the company's facility in Kilkeel, Northern Ireland, while the new club kitchen was designed at the company's facility in Everett, Washington. And I will say that they do look quite nice. They, yeah, they, they, they are. It looks very comfortable. Mm, yeah, I, very I, comfortable. I love the colour as well they've, they've gone with on these as well. Uh, it's nice to have bright colours, but I think it looks very sort of more professional when they've got those kind of darker colours on those suites. So, yeah, hats off to them. It looks quite nice. A shame I couldn't afford to go and fly on business <laughs> blubbing class. Yeah, I think, you know, Blag and upgrade. Blag and yeah, upgrade. That's absolutely. the way forward. Yeah, but that's why we rely so heavily on Nev, of course, because he, he has had the... Uh, but I mean, I've done, I did. Um, I was with, I flew back from New Zealand in business class, um, and that was uh, Malaysian Airways that I I did that with, and that was lovely. That was really really nice. Um, but you see, I could have had a nap, which is what I should have done. Um, but I was so excited about being in deli- in in this uh, in the in in business class and wanted to sort of enjoy the experience and enjoy the bigger bigger screens and all that kind of thing that I didn't have the nap that I probably should have done and then was very tired coming home. But uh, I suppose that says me right, really, doesn't it? <laughs> it's always easy to nap when you have a lie flat bed. Well, yes, quite, so. quite. Yes. Okay. So, um, yes, I'm on. The- uh, yeah, so this has been making its way around social media, and this particular story we're coming back to is um, a King Air C90 that experienced a stall condition uh, as it was dropping some uh, parachutists in South Africa. But who am I to comment on this? Why don't we just uh, play out the video and then... Um, are we able to play out the video and have Steph's commentary uh, at the same time? Hey there, PTUK. Dr. Steph from APG here. Um, Armando reached out to me to provide some commentary and context on the King Air skydiving video that was shared widely on social media just the other day, and I'm more than happy to do so. Um, first of all, by way of a disclaimer, uh, I have not flown the King Air personally for jump operations. However, our drop zone used to operate a King Air, and I do have some experience jumping from one. And further, I've had some conversations with our pilots who have flown the King Airs uh, for jump operations. And in particular, I had a chance to read some feedback that one of them gave on this particular incident. So I hope they don't mind me paraphrasing what they had to say about it a bit. Uh, Hopefully, um, as you're hearing this feedback, you've either just seen or heard an explanation of the video in question. Uh, This incident occurred in South Africa on October 14th, so just a couple weeks ago. Um, And as the videographer who posted the video said, uh, it was shared with the intent of providing general uh, general information and for educational purposes to the aviation community. Uh, Hopefully, I can add a little bit to that as well. Uh, Let's start with a quick recap of the video. Uh, We're watching a group of skydivers getting set in the door of the King Air for their jump. Um, As a quick aside, this is something that is actually practiced on the ground before going up in the plane in order to make the exit as smooth and coordinated as possible. 
And in fact, the entire jump is usually rehearsed sometimes multiple times, uh, a practice known as dirt diving. Uh, in this case, you'll notice that the jump door is immediately aft of the wing. The door itself is not very large, and a fair number of jumpers, uh, six in this case, position themselves on the outside of the aircraft, holding on to railings and steps that have been installed around the door for that purpose. Uh, in this video, we can see that it takes quite a while for this group of jumpers to position themselves, and a long time. I actually counted 25 seconds um, once the first jumper starts to get into position, that's the videographer, for everyone else to get into position. And then right at the end of that 25 seconds, you can see the aircraft start to pitch up. And then quite quickly, uh, all of the jumpers, and if you count, if, pause, if you pause the video and count, there's nine total, including the videographer. So in addition to the six jumpers outside of the aircraft, there were three additional jumpers inside at the rear, also at the, air, the, the rear of the air, aircraft. Um, ready to exit. And uh, yeah, pretty quickly they are off and out of the plane and into the air, and then you see the aircraft begin a spin and rotation to the left. I counted two spins, I think, before the aircraft begins to recover, and then it's another 10 to 15 seconds or so before the aircraft is fully recovered from its stall and spin. So why did this happen? Uh, first, some background on flying a jump run. Uh, on jump run, you know, our goal is to have the aircraft flying fairly close to straight and level, depending on the flight characteristics of the aircraft. Uh, you want to have the speed and relative wind, or uh, essentially the, the prop blast that the jumpers will feel, at a comfortable and manageable level for the jumpers to actually stage their exits, as usually um, at least some will be positioned on the outside of the aircraft um, as everyone in the group gets into position. Um, for multi-engine aircraft, such as the King Air, this means that jump run is typically flown with asymmetrical thrust, so little to no power on the side of the door, uh, the left side in this case, and then enough power on the opposite side, uh, typically the right side, to maintain uh, um, altitude, um, attitude, and airspeed. Um, in comparison with the aircraft that I regularly fly uh, for jump operations, and that would be the Twin Otter and the Caravan, um, it's pretty well known that the King Air has less wiggle room in its CG envelope and um, a couple other characteristics that require attention, mainly the uh, low position of the horizontal stabilizer and elevator um, causes it to be more susceptible to disruption of airflow over those control surfaces, uh, particularly when there are a number of jumpers standing directly in front of those surfaces blocking that airflow. So when there are basically too many jumpers on the outside of the airplane for too long a period of time, physics takes over and this degrades the airspeed and the elevator authority to the point where the angle of attack will be exceeded and the aircraft will stall. In this case, um, uh, the pilot who was flying this aircraft in this incident noted that he actually hit the elevator stop and simply could not push the nose of the aircraft down anymore. Uh, the dramatic footage that we've seen shows the result of that subsequent stall and spin. So, um, as I mentioned, we uh, the drop zone where I jump and fly now um, used to operate a King Air, and uh, those characteristics were actually discussed frequently. Um, as jumpers, we were frequently reminded to limit the number of jumpers outside the aircraft and not to delay in exiting the aircraft. Our our 
chief pilot at the time let us know in no uncertain terms that if he had any concerns, he would increase the power and use the rudder uh, in an effort to shake jumpers off the outside of the aircraft. This does sound a bit dramatic, but it makes a lower risk scenario basically for everybody involved. Um, thinking about what could have been done differently in this case, well, um, the pilot shared his perspective. And as I mentioned, I've read through some of the commentary on this video provided by um, one of our former King Air pilots. And it basically boils down to the following points. Um, one, fewer jumpers on, on the aircraft to start. Two, fewer jumpers outside of the aircraft on jump run. Uh, three, the jumpers need to exit quicker. Four, uh, the pilot needed to maintain a more nose-down attitude on jump run in this particular aircraft type with this large group. Uh, needed to add more power on the left side of the door side. And six, I think I got my numbers correct there. Uh, and use the rudder to effectively uh, encourage, shall we, as soon as possible if an impending stall is sensed. The incident had a good result. The aircraft recovered from the spin and stall as the pilot did recognize what was happening. And even though he couldn't stop it in that moment, he appropriately applied stall recovery techniques. Um, and furthermore, all of all the jumpers remained safe. Um, I think the scariest moment of this video for me was seeing how close those jumpers were to the aircraft as it was just barely recovering from the stall. Um, you know, flying skydivers is it's challenging, it's fun, it's rewarding, um, definitely a different side of aviation, but there are a lot of considerations for us that most pilots don't think about in their day-to-day -day operations, and this video is, is just one example. Uh, each jump run is different, and they everyone keeps us on our toes. Um, hope that this helps and provides some insights, and I hope all of you in PTUK land are doing well. Take care, and we'll talk again soon. Wow, thanks, Steph. Yeah, I couldn't uh, thank, thank Steph uh, anymore because uh, as soon as I saw this, I reached out to her and I said, well, you're way more qualified than I am to uh, tell me about what's going on here, you know, for our PTUK listeners that don't know Dr. Steph, she is both a, a skydiver and a skydive pilot. Um, so she's got a unique viewpoint on this. And while we were watching it, the video, you know, behind the scenes, we were commenting, what a what an amazing job by the videographer. Yeah. But this is a, a viewpoint that we would have never had in any other kind of aviation other than uh, skydive operations to watch an airplane like that actually stall and go into a spin uh, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll have a, uh, in cockpit footage or something like that, or just a personal account, but to be able to see it from that viewpoint was, uh, one of the most interesting parts to me. Um, I personally didn't know that, that in the King air, that's how they did a jump run by, by pulling the engine, um, the left engine and, and using asymmetric, you know, you're susceptible to asymmetric thrust and you've got the right engine running and, um, it's, uh, I didn't know. I, <laughs> there's Benny. Uh, I didn't know that that's how they did jump runs in the King Air. Um, in addition to that, the the producer John was saying, you know, he was interested that that they brief this, but that and that is a thing where they do brief if if the airplane you're flying has uh, odd 
characteristics. We used to do it in the military too for each type of airplane, whether you're uh, jumping from a C-130, a CASA, a helicopter, you know, there's different considerations for different airplanes and the King Air having these kind of uh, unfavorable tendencies, they, uh, you know, they, they were briefed up on it. But as the videographer said in his statement after the fact is, is there's a lot going on and it was a complicated jump formation that they were doing. So just getting hyper-focused and, and, and forgetting about the, um, you know, the, the characteristics of that stall. Um, yeah, there you go. So, wow. Wow. I mean, the, to, to somebody who's, who doesn't know much about this at all, I mean, it, it is, first of all, the thing that surprised me was the fact that they were grabbing hold of this, that they were sort of climbing out and standing on the side of the airplane. I mean, the only jumping that I've ever seen of take place has been uh, at Beckles, I'll be honest, you know, out of the Cessna caravan where they basically throw themselves out of the door, don't they? There, there's none of this sort of... Hanging about. No, it literally... Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, you know it could have been such a very different outcome, couldn't it? Yeah, but, and I uh, think I, I would I would venture to say that eighty percent of the jumps that they do out of this aircraft and any other skydive aircraft, people are just they move and they go out and jump. Right. Uh, the whole hanging on is they were doing a a, a twenty person uh, formation, right. so they were trying to okay. get as many on the step. Maybe not twenty. I don't. Steph can correct me on that. You know, it was fifteen or something yeah. like that. But. Um, they were trying to get as many people out on 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 the, the aircraft outside of the first, airplane yeah, to exit absolutely. the aircraft at the same time. Wow! But, yeah, crazy, huh? Very much so. Very crazy indeed. And again, thanks very I, much to Steph for uh, uh, sort of uh, filling in the gaps there for us. Brilliant. And the drop zone too. Um, they certainly yeah. didn't have to publish this. No, I, true. I am incredibly thankful that they did. They put it on social media. They put it out there. They the pilot. Uh, public made his his comments public uh the videographer made his comments public and they really did put this out there so people uh learn from it i certainly learned from it i learned a lot hopefully the listeners are learning a lot uh even in talking to steph they uh you know they talked about this on apg yesterday and they they were you know captain nick we all learn something every day mm -hmm. in aviation so I appreciate. Uh, yeah, Steph said no. We do, uh, we we do four stages. We do four ways where people stage outside. Um, she was saying in the chat room there. Sometimes even two ways with both jumpers outside. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, we do it in the in the one eighty two where one person is holding on to the strut. Yeah, but if, if one if one person, on like I say, if one person standing on the outside of of the one five two, surely it's sort of tilting over to one side anyway. <laughs> Now you're trying to keep it level, but yeah, sometimes you'll end up with with yeah. two on the outside and two popping out, and that's the mm. four that are in there, and they're yeah. going to jump out together. But uh, but even that gets a little bit a little bit weird. But we don't have an asymmetric thrust. Anyway, we're we're, we're a little behind, so we should probably yeah. move on to the next story. Cool, let's do it. Next story is uh, Flight Global. This one, uh, flightglobal.com, and uh, Emirates starting to dismantle. Uh, their first A380 uh, with specialists recruited for the job. So Middle Eastern carrier Emirates is to recycle a large portion, uh, proportional parts from its first A380 uh, following the aircraft's retirement just 14 years after it was delivered. 
Uh, the aircraft uh, Alpha 6 Echo Delta Alpha was delivered to the carrier in July 2008 during a ceremony attended by Flight Global. It flew its last commercial service from Singapore to Dubai in March 2020, just as the pandemic began to cripple global air transport. Serviceable components from the aircraft, including its engines, which the GP7200 engine alliance power plants, landing gear, and flight control systems have been retained. Uh, the aircraft was subsequently deregistered and has been handed to Falcon Aircraft Recycling, uh, with uh, which Emirates has signed a contract to reuse as much of the jet structures and components. Uh, Emirates says the bar and other cabin features will be converted into bespoke furniture, as well as aviation memorabilia. And retail items are going to be sold in a few months' time, with parts of the proceeds benefiting the carrier's associated charities, Emirates Airline Foundation. All the material recovery will take place in the UAE. Traditional salvage and recycling projects focus on recovering only profitable components, thereby leaving a substantial portion of the aircraft and materials uh, that go into landfill or sit idle for uh, years. Falcon Aircraft Recycling Director Andrew Tonks says the A380 program is the company's most ambitious project involving the first A380 uh, disassembly outside of Europe. Tonks says around 190 tonnes of material, including metal, plastics and carbon fibre, will be removed for repurposing, repurposing and recycling. He says the recovery initiative will ensure a majority of the aircraft structure will have a second life, uh, like a tag on my wall here. <laughs> Our teams are currently busy with the breakdown and final concepts for the first batch of upcycled unique items. The carrier's first A380 carried uh, two, uh, carried out 6,319 flights, visiting 62 countries, uh, different airports over its lifetime. Emirates became the primary A380 customer and is preparing to receive its final 380 uh, to be produced following the decision to end the manufacturer's type. Emirates Airline President Tim Clark says, through this initiative, our customers fan and fans can take home a piece of aviation industry while save, uh, saving valuable materials from landfill and contributing to a charitable cause. It's an elegant fitting and retirement solution for this iconic aircraft and our flagship. So just a few notes. Uh, it was for just over 14 years old, 14.2 years old. Test registration, Foxtrot Whiskey Whiskey Sierra Hotel was its uh, test uh, um, registration. And uh, yeah, it, Alpha 6 Echo Delta Alpha completed 49,632 hours of flying, or 5.66 years, and has a current market value of $30.94 million without the engines. Wow. So there we go. Wow, that's a lot of money. It's wow. good they're, they're doing this, and um, uh, I'll have the bar if they want to run. Uh, yes, uh, in fact, actually, uh, uh, Micah has suggested that. He's saying that, in fact, in the chat room here, he's saying uh, uh, that uh, the bar and other parts of the interior furniture will soon be seen at Carlos's home. Uh, I, think, uh, I think Gemma may have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah but he will have only paid twelve point nine million for it. No, quite, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I done well to get away with a triple seven window. That's you did, there. yeah, absolutely. So I still don't know how you got away with that. that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do have a connection down at Pitch Air, so well, true. maybe they could get a double decker because <laughs> the seven twenty seven wasn't hard enough. Oh, <laughs> anyway, Armando, moving on to the next story before I buy something else. <laughs> and uh, another iconic aircraft. Quick, quick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Speaking of big airplanes, this one's from Bloomberg.com. Boeing is poised to deliver its 
final 747 next October, Ooh. marking the end of production for a, uh, <laughs> their words, not mine, storied hump-nosed airliner, jetliner. Bless you. <laughs> introduced air travel to the masses. I don't know that I've ever heard it described that way. <laughs> uh, only as a non-aviator could. Anyway, uh, freight and leasing company uh, Atlas Air, which bought the rights to the last four 747-8s in January. They plan on taking delivery of these uh, final cargo haulers between May and October of next year. That's according to CEO John Dietrich. Um, he said that during an earnings call on Wednesday. Uh, he said that the last 747s that Boeing will ever produce, and we're delighted that they're going to be coming to Atlas. Uh, Boeing didn't immediately have a comment on the announcement by Atlas, which is actually the world's largest 747 operator. So while Boeing confirmed that it planned to wind down manufacturing of the four-engine freighter in 2022, uh, the Chicago-based plane maker has provided a few details. The final handovers will conclude more than a half century of production of the aircraft, nicknamed the Queen of the Skies, for this uh, curved frame that evokes a cruise ship. Is it? Is that where it came from? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the final deliveries raise new questions about the future of their plant uh, in Everett, Washington, which uh, Boeing built to house the 747's final assembly line. And we do have some uh, close friends of the show that fly the Queen of the Skies for um, a certain, what do we, we call them, Acme Global, right? Um, which is a sister airline to Atlas Air. Um, so uh, there you go. But as we always say, I'm sure we're still going to see them in the skies for many, many years to come, despite them not being in production. It's a shame. I will miss uh, miss traveling on the 74. Although we, if you want to get a chance to travel on the 74-8, we can all go and book a flight with Lufthansa, who obviously still who use the um, the dash eight on uh, commercial uh, routes. So yeah, and yeah, I, Korean, yeah. John and just and said I think Korean from a well. from a from a commercial perspective, uh, you know, or or from a a, uh, a haulage perspective, I think we'll be seeing them for for you know many for way, many 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 years, aren't yeah. they? You know, because yeah. they 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 really they can just handle the weight, can't they? That's that's the thing. Very true. Yeah. So Matt, you've got the last story, and it's good Have news I? for fans of Donald Trump's seven five seven. Wow, there are, there are fans of Donald Trump. That's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> they added 757 after that. 757. <laughs> okay, wow. Okay. Talking about the airplane. Right, of course. Uh, anyway, uh, engine found. Trump's Boeing 757 returns to the skies after two years. Uh, simpleflying.com is the headline, uh, is the uh, website for this. Former President Donald Trump's personal Boeing 757 has taken to the skies again after five years on the ground. The aircraft took off from storage in upstate New York on Monday, flying to Nashville for a brief stop before continuing to Connecticut International uh, near Lake Charles in Louisiana. It is believed to be undergoing maintenance work uh, there before returning to service. Uh, prior to becoming the 45th president, prior sorry to becoming the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump made good use of a Boeing 757 private jet registered November 757 Alpha Foxtrot for personal transport. But upon taking office, 
President Trump was required to fly in governmental aircraft, including the uh, VC-25As that are frequently used as Air Force One. For a while, the aircraft continued to undertake flights for Trump's organisation, but in 2019, his 757 was parked in New York's Stewart International Airport. There it remained for the duration of his term and uh, spotted with one of its engines missing and in need of repair. Word on the street uh, was that the N757AF required a new engine to be found in order to make the trip to Lake Charles for essential maintenance before it could return to active service. Now it seems that the engine has been found and uh, an aircraft as the aeropass was spotted taking off from Stewart earlier this week. Uh, the aircraft took off from New York Stewart SWF at 1225 uh, ET on Monday. It appeared to be heading towards Connecticut International and had been airborne for just over two hours when it appeared to make an unscheduled stop. As the aircraft was passing Nashville to the south, it abruptly, t- it abruptly turned to the north and began a loop around to head into National International Nashville International Airport. A snippet from air traffic control suggested that the aircraft had declared an emergency that Nashville stated it looks like we have an emergency inbound. It landed safely at 1340 CDT two, and a, two hours and 15 minutes after leaving Stewart. Uh, whatever that emergency was, it was clearly not too severe as the 757 did not remain in Tennessee for very long. Just over an hour later, uh, N757AF took off again at 1447 CDT. After an hour and 16 minutes in the air, it touched down at CWF. According to 7K PLC News, airport officials have confirmed that the 757 is there for maintenance. There we go. Um, do we know what the, um, the emergency, of the emergency was? was? Yeah. I don't. All I know about this story is that Chenault Lakefront has a $2 crawfish etouffee for aircrew. Right. <laughs> well, there we are. <laughs> and and if you, we used to pick uh, Chenault Airport as a uh, cross-country destination because they had $2 crawfish etouffee. So. Wow. Do all pilots make these decisions based on the catering Food. facilities that are available to them? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. absolutely. <laughs> Food is number one. Fair enough. Gas price is, <laughs> gas, gas price is number two. Right. Uh, okay. Right. You know, but primarily a decent... Right. Yeah. But primarily the decent restaurant is the, is the key here. Just worth <laughs> noting back to aviation. Oh, that there, there boring. is a. I oh know. Food oh, is it's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> there, there's a really good documentary on this aircraft actually at Discovery produced a few years back, um, which focuses on the aircraft, not the owner, um, which is quite good to watch. It is available on YouTube um, to to watch, but it's a great documentary. It covers all the specs and the internals and the maintenance of the aircraft itself, which is quite interesting actually to watch. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I'll agree. The documentary. The documentary is interesting. The documentary is interesting, yeah. Yeah, moving on. So, moving on to the next part of the show, which is the return of our caption this segment for this week. We missed it last week because uh, we were quite busy, I think, Matt, weren't we, with the (laughs) show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so it's uh, it's from uh, two weeks ago, uh, the picture that we posted on Facebook on the Wednesday for you to comment on. And uh, we'll... 
actually, I think because uh, Armando is obviously here with us, we'll leave Armando to comment on for the audio listeners what this picture um, is, Armando. Well, this is a top-of-the-line, cutting-edge helicopter. <laughs> um, I can only describe it as a... What is this? An Isuzu? Yeah, an Isuzu uh, van, little, I think. Yeah, It's an Isuzu little six-person van. <laughs> um, I do appreciate that they have the side door. The gun door is open. Um, but it is essentially, you know, cutting edge of flying cars. It's right. an Isuzu van with a... With I mean, a, would this work? <laughs> Sure. I mean, have you seen some of? Have you seen some of the contraptions that they came true, up with true. back in the like 1930s and 1940s? Like, but you see, I mean, I, I, I still maintain aircraft. that I still maintain that that helicopters are, you know, they're not unlike aircraft that are generated. You know, they, helicopters defy physics as far as I'm concerned. I know John will shout in my ear for saying that. As far as I'm concerned, they defy physics and are built at Hogwarts. There's there's no logic to <laughs> them about right. at all. <laughs> when, when we used to. Uh, when we used to take the Osprey to Riyadh or Farnborough, any of the airships, yeah. we used to, we used to just say it was magic. Yeah, I think flies. yeah, yeah, how's it flies? Just magic. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Carlos, so, so we, had some <laughs> we did. We had some people uh, leave their witty comments on the photo, and uh, first one is Jan, who says, "Is that the new Mitsubishi or Suzuki heli?" <laughs> I would put my on Suzuki, but indeed, uh, Paul oh, says, like one. "Oh, go on, go on." I was going to say, I like this one from Paul. This is the prototype for the new VW Westphalier. <laughs> oh, I see. Right, yes. Uh, Darry has one for us saying, uh, prototype for a new Medivac from Top Gear Shop, currently working on one also with floats. Uh, <laughs> uh, this one from Matt, Amazon Deliveries, takes the air. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Let's see. Ian says, I love the smell of a two-stroke in the morning. Right. Okay. Have you been behind, you been behind one mat. of these? Have you ever been behind one of these? They stink, honestly. <laughs> Family show. Right. Uh, okay. Neil says, the new Black Hawk Rascal heads to... Oh, I love this one. This is good. Very good on play on words, Neil. The new Black Hawk Rascal heads to RAF Bedford after visiting the Mac Loop. <laughs> Bedford Rascal, Bedford Rascal. Yeah, just carry on without me. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, uh, what's Jonathan got for us, Armando? Only Jonathan would come up with this one. In this week's aviation news, Shorts to test fly their new Skyvan 2. Shorts did a Skyvan. Uh, popular jump platform, actually. Uh, Jenny says, I see the the white van man is upping his game. Oh, absolutely. I Nothing wrong that. with white van man. Bernard says that the, the, it's the Sikorsky caravan. <laughs> Oh, welcome back, Matt. Hello. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to give you some oxygen. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> What's Paul That's saying? That's it. The, the last one is, is uh, Paul. Well, it is a Daihatsu Hijet. Wow. <laughs> oh, that was actually a model as well. Very well. Yeah. well done, Very craft. <laughs> so like uh, don't forget, uh, we will be posting another one uh, picture on our Facebook page again on Wednesday for you to comment on. So keep your eyes on there. If you don't already follow us on Facebook, look us up, Plain Talking UK. And give us a little like. If you could, that'd be fantastic. And we look forward to next week's uh, meet. Yeah, so we're... So... So, yeah, this on. next one, yeah. yeah next on. one is uh, this next video, which is video to play now. And this is some great video that was taken by Nev uh, at the Fair Oaks meetup with all the uh, APG uh, listeners there. So, uh, Matt, if you're ready, hit the button. Yeah, okay. 
Well, hello, PC UK and APG, although, to be fair, they ought to be the other way around, APG being the senior podcast. Um, We're here at Fair Oaks, and it is September the 25th, Saturday, uh, and about 11 o'clock, so people are starting to assemble for the meetup, which is fantastic. Um, It's been a bit grey, a bit drizzly here. We were a trifle worried, because this is all outdoors. Um... And I was going to say the good thing is that because the cloud base is so low, not many people are flying. But as you can probably hear in the background, some uh, intrepid aviator has uh, set off to... Oh, it's a bloody helicopter. Well, you've got to be more intrepid to fly one of those, haven't you? Uh, He's busy um, clapping hands, rubbing his tummy and kicking his legs all at one go. We admire helicopter pilots, they have fantastic coordination. So we're here, Um, we've got a good number of um, listeners have pitched up. Uh, Some famous uh, personalities you will know, Adam Spink uh, from uh, Air Traffic at Heathrow. We've got Captain Nige, uh, ex of uh, Cathay Pacific and the Royal Air Force. Uh, We've got a new listener, Simon, who fantastically uh, was a Navy Harrier pilot and um, he decided to leave and uh, join TUI but unfortunately the pandemic put paid to that so um, he is now instructing on the simulator the F-35 simulator at Marham so um, lovely to meet him and uh, hopefully, with any luck, because he, he's a clever chap, married a uh, nice uh, American lady, he's going to go across to the States and look for a job over there. So uh, if you're looking for a fantastic pilot, uh, Delta or uh, Acme even, um, then he's your man. Um, in a moment, we're going to set up around the corner and do our plane tail. And hopefully we might even attract some of the lovely general public here to listen to that and from that you never know we might generate some new listeners to the podcast um, anyway uh, great to see Nev here thanks very much indeed Nev you'll never get to see him he's always the other side of the camera lens um, great to see everyone else um, we've got people who've come from far and wide so uh, really nice uh, the attendance I hope will swell as we approach 12 o'clock in fact uh, we've got a whole load of mammals just arrived uh, middle-aged men in Lycra. I'm sure they're not listeners, but you never know. But uh, just popped down to London for the weekend, and it was a good opportunity to come over to see Nick in working. Actually, Nick and I sort of used to come from not far away here and met our wives in this direction. So, yeah, it's quite nice to be back in this neck of the woods. Still waiting for something to fly, though, apart from the helicopter. Stone in the UK, I'm not too interested in getting in a little aluminium tube with people that I don't know where they've come from. And so I'm just waiting... Not normally known for my patience, but I'm just waiting for everything to die down a bit. Of course, what I want to do is get back to Indonesia, but um, no uh, hope of that at the moment. So I'd have to go via Hong Kong and quarantine and what have you. So, and I can't even, they, uh, the Indonesians won't allow me in anyway. I wouldn't allow you in either. It's not just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, not uh, aiming to go anywhere, but sort of keeping in touch with this. Nice to meet some new people and uh, what have you and uh, have a chuckle at some of the APG people. Yeah, it's good, it's good. Yeah, nice day out.
Okay. So I'm talking to Simon at the moment. Hi, Simon. Hi, Thanks. how's it going? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much indeed for coming down to see us all today. Pleasure. Uh, now, you're not exactly local, are you? But there's a little bit of a story. I'm in Lincolnshire at the moment, but my parents live about five minutes from here. And I was down here uh, visiting my father anyway. And uh, it just so happened that the timings worked out perfectly. When Nick talked about the meetup, I realised that I was in the area at the exact time. And so, uh, yeah, so here I am. Oh, how perfect. Yeah. Now, give us the story about your sort of uh, previous military flying career. What were you on? Sure. So I, I did about 22 years in the Navy. I flew the Harrier, uh, GR7, GR9, not the Sea Harrier. Uh, and then I did an exchange tour flying the F-18 with the US Navy. Uh, came back to the UK and then I left the Navy last year to join the airlines. And I got into an airline and I was just about to start. And then unfortunately, as COVID hit, the first people who, who, who got released were the people who hadn't even started, and I was, I was one of those guys. So unfortunately, I, I lost my job before I even started it. And what's the prospect of restarting that, do you think? It's, I think it's tricky to see. It, it, so international travel is the, is the real key to this at the moment, and I, I, I realistically, I think 2022 will be a recovery year. Uh, where the pilots who got made redundant and who have already had their training will be re-recruited. And I think people like me who hadn't even started are probably looking at 23, 24. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I just think what's going to happen is they'll take the pilots who are already type races, get those guys through before they start for the likes of me. This industry does have a habit, doesn't it, of going from boom to bust. One minute we've got too many flight deck crew, the next minute we haven't got enough. It'd be nice to sort of even it out at some point. Yeah, it will be. And I think if you look at the US at the moment, they went for a period where this time last year they were furloughing all their pilots. And now they're, they're really short of pilots. It's a massive hiring spree. And I think that the airlines in Europe are probably coming in for a perfect storm. Because come 23, 24, when that demand comes back again, you're going to have had all these retirements that have already happened. You're not going to have recruited anyone for a while. I think, they, I think the demand will come back. But I think it's probably a couple of years away. Yeah. That's my I wonder if some pilots, uh, especially some of the senior captains, have taken early retirement as well. And that's actually left more of a hole than the airlines were expecting. It is this, I think there is this perfect storm that's coming up. There's going to be a huge demand for it. The challenge is, when, when is that going to be? And I, I, I just, as I said, I think 22 will probably be a recovery year. I don't see much until 23, 24. But I also really hope I'm wrong. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. Well, the appetite for flying has never been greater as far as the public's concerned. Yeah. That, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, the more crew we can get back uh, operationally, uh, the better. I guess the limiting factor probably is simulator time as well. Yeah, it's, it's a couple of things. It's simulator time. The other, the other challenge you've got at the moment is line training. So when you become an airline pilot, you typically need to do 20, 25 trips on the line. If the airlines aren't flying very much at all, trying to do line training is really, really challenging because if you're not flying a full schedule, you can't do the line training. So it's it's the whole combination of the availability of simulators and the availability of line training. But I, I do think that it's just, uh, yeah, we just need to sort of wait a little bit to see what's happening. But I think it will come back yeah. in about a year. It has to, doesn't it? I think we're all, we're all desperate for it too. I think so. I think, uh, I, you yeah. know, you talk to people and they want to go away, they want to go on holiday. I yeah. think the demand is there. You know, some people go like, oh, I don't want to fly. I, I, I really think that the demand will come back and it will come back really strong. And then the challenge will be, like you said, desperately trying to get, you know, guys and girls onto the flight deck who are, who are trained and qualified. Yeah. Well, it's great to see you, Simon. Thanks ever so much for coming down. Yeah, thanks very much. Cheers. Well, here we are with Mr. Spink. Hi, Nev. How are you? Morning to you. Yes. Good morning. Excellent. Thanks very much for coming down.
No, it's, no, it's good. I've never been here. So uh, this is an excuse to see what Farex has to offer. Yeah, and the, the cloud base is lifting a little bit. So yep. there's yep. a sign of people committing aviation, mm -hmm. which is a good thing, isn't it? So how's work going at the moment? What's, what's happening there? Yeah, it's, um, it's picking up. Um, I think last weekend we were up to about 750 flights a day. So just over half of uh, what our normal pre-COVID traffic levels were. Um, but, you know, most of the listeners might be aware I mainly office-based, so um, I'm still doing four or five days a, a month in, in the tower talking to aeroplanes, um, but, uh, but very busy in the office, uh, trying to take the opportunity of the reduced traffic levels to try and introduce new equipment. Um, slightly more straightforward doing that when it's a bit quieter. Yeah. Than, uh, it's been challenging um, operating at a lower level, and by that I mean less traffic. Is that actually quite difficult? Yes, it, it can be. Um, Certainly before COVID at Heathrow, you know, the traffic was very busy all the time. So that's what we were used to. As soon as the traffic died off, um, from a human factors point of view, um, under arousal um, is, a, is a problem. Uh, that's what she said. Um, and uh, so, so when, when your brain is used to operating at that very high level all the time, as soon as that dies off, um, you need to be very careful that you're still doing all the, all the basic stuff that you would do. I mean, I was up there middle of last year, I'd maybe only talked to one or two aeroplanes an hour in an hour's session of sat in position, whereas, you know, before then I'd speak to 40, 50, 60 aircraft. Um, so it's very easy to get distracted by other things or just chatting to people because you have time to chat now. Um, so it's something we're very aware of. And, and again, now that we're used to the quiet, when the traffic starts to build up, we need to try and rebuild those skills that have atrophied over, over, the, over the months. Yeah. And are they back up to using both runways now? Yes, yeah, we're using both runways. We have been for a few months now. Um, I think it was late July, I think early August, when we reopened or went to a dual runway operation. Um, but a lot of the time, we still only have one controller working both runways, uh, whereas before COVID, we'd have one runway would be uh, controlled by by one controller. Yeah, gotcha. mm -hmm. Well, that's great, Adam. Thank you very it's much okay. indeed for coming down. And good for to see you. Chat. And you. Yeah, yeah no cheers. Cheers. So, Neil, great to see you again. Very good to see you again. Ed. Thanks very much indeed for coming. So, it's quite a journey for you, isn't it? It's yeah. a couple of hours. Yeah. 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 You have to brave the M25, but yeah. nobody glued themselves to it yeah. today. So, <laughs> that's right. we're doing no, all right. No incidents. No. Um, what about the stuff that you were doing at Brunting for? What's the score there? Uh, well, unfortunately, that's uh, all come to a close now. Um, most of the aircraft storage area was uh, sold off. Uh, it was more than likely just cars now. Uh, a few things stayed. Um, a lot of things left. Um, sadly for us, the guppy was chopped. Uh, Part of it is still in St. Athen now, so you will be able to go and see that uh, if you want to. Um, you know, very bittersweet for us, to be honest. A um, lot of good times in there over the years. Um, at least there's still some around. You can still see some. Um, and NASA will probably be keeping theirs going for years and years. So that's still there for everybody as well. And what about flying for you? Have you been anywhere at all this year? I have not been inside a plane for as long as I can remember. Uh, too long. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm itching to get back somewhere. Um, need to get the passport renewed again. Uh, 
you know, we've had a big standby, haven't we, for, for a long while now. So probably next year. I think we'll be back to Lanzarote next year, I think. So it'll be nice. Looking forward to it. Hi, Graham. Good to see you. It's nice to see you again, though. It's certainly been 18 months or so. It has, not hasn't it? Longer. Yeah. I can't remember the last time we... Even... UK uh, April, I guess. It probably was, wasn't it? Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Anyway, so you back in employment? Now. I am. I, I technically never left. I just yeah. moved locations somewhat. So now at a fairly small airport in Hampshire, yeah. um, rather than at Heathrow. Oh, great. A bit different. Valid as a tower controller at last. So that's been oh, that's superb, about four years coming in the end, but certainly nice to have it out of the way. Yeah, and was that journey pretty challenging at, at times, would you say? Uh, a little bit. Mostly, well, certainly at Heathrow, was definitely challenging. Um, and then just trying to stay positive for the six months where I wasn't sure what was happening was uh, difficult. But yeah. yeah, it was nice to start somewhere fresh and get on with things fairly quickly. It's been a bit difficult getting enough traffic to keep training with, but mm. we managed just about. And, and obviously it couldn't be more different, you know, where you are now compared to where it's, you were. It's um, fairly different, yeah. is, How different is that, you know, going from a, a full-on big operation um, that Heathrow took to where you are now? very different but if anything that made the transition quite easy because you accept that what experience you have doesn't match up with what you're about to do so it's very easy just to go right I'm just going to forget everything I know and listen to what people are saying yeah and we'll go with that but actually there's quite a lot of similarity it's airplanes in the sky at the end of the day they tend to move forwards not always especially with what I work with now just, just trying to keep them um, apart uh, yes yeah. Yeah. Ideally, if you can see both, yeah. and you can see they're not going to hit each other. Yeah. And do. are you seeing an increase in, in traffic now? Uh, as well? So COVID hasn't actually affected us um, with the unique way the operation works with where I am. I won't say where it is, but I'm sure people can take some guess that it's probably not civilian. Um, so COVID hasn't had much effect. It's just been aircraft serviceability and upgrades that we're lacking in serviceable aircraft at the minute yeah. or aircraft in general um, and challenges all over the globe I think with serviceable aircraft as soon as they fix one in the hangar it tends to disappear somewhere else um, and uh, most people probably know um, grub tutors have had issues recently so they uh, were out of action for six months I think pretty mm. much while they were being away, fixed away so now we've and got those back. There's quite a for you, having now qualified in the position you're in, is that a continuous learning process for you? Is there Always. constant yeah. uh, re-examination? Every day, is through a, every day you'll find a different situation. Um, and yeah, we've got an annual assessment as well as quarterly uh, updates. And then I still need to train on radar at some point, um, which is probably a year or so away anyway. But I'm sure we'll get there at some point. Yeah. And, and are you enjoying whole, it? That's the main yes, thing. Very much so. Uh, it was nice to have a fresh start and just get on and finally achieve validation, which was what I'd been after for, yeah, it was four years in the end, yeah. so it's, it's certainly it's, a while coming. It's quite a journey, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm so delighted for you as well, really Thank pleased you. for you. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for coming down today. It's quite all right. It's not too far. It certainly used to be a local haunt. Breakfast's good, so Excellent. always enjoyable to come back. Good to see you. Thanks. Cheers. And there we go.
Looks like they had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. That was, what, what is that called? A meet up? Yeah, um, do you meet, remember those? Do, do you remember up. when they do you remember when those meet used up. to happen? Do you remember when we used to do those things quite regularly, at least once or yeah. twice a year? Do you remember? Uh, like, you know, where we, where we all just gather at Duxford just for, you know Like people? Gathering? Just for a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I must admit, I look look at the camera um, angle there that uh, Nev had at one point. There was a lot of mugs of coffee and tea oh, on yeah, those, on those right. tables there, yeah. Quite right, quite right, absolutely. No quite scotch. civilized. No Very scotch. Civilized. That was that was on Nick's table. The scotch. Of course, absolutely. We're running out of time, so we anyway, need to, uh, over to you to introduce the next part of the breakfast. Show. Is good. That must be oh, excellent. Hope. All right, so this is going to be the second time that we mentioned the mock loop. We're going to do this a uh, super fast, low level through the military. Matt, if you're ready, <laughs> hit the button. <laughs> At this point, we should probably explain Carlos's lack of knowledge of Wiley Coyote, not Willie Coyote. Um, <laughs> this is a pretty cool story. Matt's going to pop up some pictures. <laughs> yeah, Carlos is like, I'm out. Uh, pretty cool pictures that Matt's going to pop up if you're watching the YouTube feed. This is uh, from FlightGlobal.com. Lockheed Martin-owned PZL and U.S. firm Sierra Nevada or SNC have unveiled the first prototype of the special operations variant of the Polish airframers M28 twin turboprop. So the M28, they're calling it the SOMA, Special Operations Multi-Role Aircraft, gains four underwing weapon stores, new sensors, and modifications to allow the installation of reloadable launch tubes. Uh, marketed in the U.S. as a MC-145 Coyote, the aircraft is being pitched to the U.S. Special Operations Command for its armed Overwatch program. Now, these efforts are seeking to replace the SOCOM fleet of U-28 Dracos, which are modified Pilatus PC-12 single-engine turboprops used for intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance missions. Now, this uh, effort is about uh, 50 to 75 new aircraft. They would be used for close air support, pushes and strikes, uh, special operations, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, and austere and permissive environments. Permissive environments being the country knows that we're there. The other ones, the country doesn't know that we're there. Uh, transformation of the standard M28 Skytruck transport into the MC-145 required only small airframe modifications, including a localized strengthening of the wings alongside installation of the weapons pylons. Uh, PZL says that the changes would also be implemented to in-service aircraft. Now, SNC, Sierra Nevada, is aiming to secure certification for this MC-145 in mid-2022, believing that if it is selected for this armed overwatch requirement, it could deliver the first aircraft for operational use in the 2023-24 uh, fiscal year timeframe. The aircraft would be manufactured at PZL's facility in Poland, then shipped to the U.S. for customization and delivery by SNC to the government. Now, the MC-145 can carry up to 1,000 pounds of munitions, including guided missiles, rockets, GBU-39 small diameter bombs, Sensors would include radars, electronic attack, and anti-improvised explosive device payloads. Uh, inside the aircraft are four reloadable, what is called common launch tubes, which Matt is going to show a picture of here in a second. 
Um, they enable the launch of weapons such as the uh, GBU-69 small glide munition and Griffin missiles uh, or even small unmanned aerial vehicles from these launch tubes. Uh, these uh, aircraft are also provisioned for four additional launch tubes if ordered uh, in that configuration. Other changes to the uh, MC-145 include countermeasures, glass cockpit, data links, dual mode landing lights, uh, an MX-15 electro-optical infrared sensor or, or a police camera housed in the aircraft's extended nose. Uh, and then of course they can add additional sensors as needed. Um, there you go. So the same aircraft has already performed some demonstration flights in support of the program at Eglin Air Force Base in Florida. Very capable uh, multi-role aircraft. I think it's like a mini Casa, if you can think of that, or a mini Otter. Uh, if you take an otter and uh, if, an, if a twin otter and a Cessna 152 were to have a baby, it would look like an MC-145. Neil's actually saying in the chat room there, it looks like it could have a large market in less developed countries. Absolutely. Easy to fly, easy to maintain, uh, doesn't require much footprint or much maintenance. And uh, yeah, absolutely. That's probably one of the driving factors. So a very good observation. Um, let's see, the second story that we're going to talk about is the G20 Summit, which was in the news this week. Uh, this is from theaviationist.com. Uh, of course, as you can imagine, the G20 Summit was being held among some tight security, <laughs> including several assets. Uh, several is an understatement. Uh, enforcing the Air Defense Identification Zone, or the ADIS, uh, many assets of the Aeronautica Militare, are currently involved in a large operation required to ensure the security of the G20 summit hosted in Italy. This was uh, October 30th and 31st in Rome. Uh, of course, several heads of state and prime ministers were there. But just to give you an idea of the aircraft that arrived in Rome for the summit itself, besides Air Force One uh, and the accompanying SAM 46, which was a C-32 or Matt's favorite 757, uh, the state <laughs> flights included, among all others, a Korean 747, an Indian 777, German Air Force 319, the Spanish A310, a Russian IL-96, a Turkish A330, an Argentinian A330, and a Royal Australian Air Force KC-30. So those are just the jets that the uh, government officials showed up in. In addition to this, all the restrictions on flight activities were established beginning October 28th and ended at midnight on November 1st. So first of all, an ADIS was, uh, or this air defense identification zone was established within a radius of 75 miles from Rome. Uh, that means that all that traffic that intended on operating inside that area at any level had to file a flight plan and at least two hours earlier and operate with a transponder code. Now, within 35 miles of Rome, VFR traffic was completely denied from the ground up to flight level 175. And within six and a half nautical miles of the center of Rome, all traffic was completely denied except for uh, approved IFR flights from uh, Fiumicino and Ciampino. Now, any violations of these uh, flight restrictions uh, were reacted to by the air defense forces. To that respect, the contingent put into place by the Italian Air Force included two types of interceptors for medium and fast aircraft, the uh, Eurofighter ty Typhoons from Grosseto um, were, uh, were put into place. And additionally, they were being supported by uh, KC-767, some KC-130J tankers, and uh, from the east of Rome, there were also some F-2000 A's that were supporting this 
and they could be dispatched to intercept any unknown or renegade aircraft much faster than the uh, quick reaction alert fighter scrambled from its airbase. Now, for the slow movers, that's uh, any rogue Cessna 150. Poor, poor Cessna 150. I think we're just picking on it today. Um, the <laughs> assets in these combat air patrols at low level um, were actually uh, some HH-139 helicopters in a slow mover intercept configuration, SMI configuration. The Italian Hel Air Force helicopters have been the only ones to fly over Rome alongside the ones from the Policia or the Guardia de Finanzia or the Carabinieri or the HMES, the Helicopter Emergency Medical Service. Dealing with airborne early warning and uh, the information operations or information superiority mission, as they call it, they had a Gulfstream 550 uh, airborne early warning aircraft from the Practica di Mare. Uh, they are, were providing air surveillance, command and control in cooperation with the air defense radars. An MQ-9 uh, Predator was also dispatched and consistently monitoring the area where the summit was held. And of course, the sensors of the P-72 uh, were also pointed in that direction. Now, uh, belonging from uh, the 41st Stormo from Sigonella, I've been to Sigonella many, many, many times. Uh, the P-72 is a military variant of the ATR-72-600 that can undertake multiple roles. Uh, even though it was born as an uh, mar maritime patrol aircraft, this aircraft is actually equipped with uh, electronic support measures and sensors, along with a communication suite that enabled this aircraft to uh, essentially collect data and the signals and transmit all that real time to and from command and control centers on the ground. So um, there you go. As you can imagine, a G20 summit or a G8 summit or any of these summits uh, require quite the uh, security force, and I am not sure how much other nations contribute, but this was a lot of Italian taxpayer money that had to go uh, into securing the area around Rome. Additionally, I'm sure there were some some partner nation assets, um, but but obviously the the Italians took the lead on this. So very cool. If you're a uh, uh, plane watcher, plane spotter, I'm sure you had a great time in Rome. Uh, Nick Codling says in the chat, he reckons the, the Q80 737 had a tail strike when leaving Glasgow today. Oh, there you go. That's not and good. Uh, Neil Lamwarn is uh, saying, excellent linguistics, Armando. I practiced all night. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I bet he did. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, we go from Wiley Coyote and some typhoons. Let's talk about elephants. Carlos, you got this elephant. Yeah, what is, I'll, what is this, this is good. This is, um, I remember these when they were based at RF Bentwaters here in the UK because I was only there a few weeks ago. And uh, every A-10 Thunderbolt 2 of the Maryland Air National Guard took part in an elephant walk at Warfield Air National Guard Base. So 16 a10 warthogs this comes to us from the aviationist.com uh, took part in a mission generation exercise and staged a nice elephant walk these events are becoming increasingly frequent at air bases in the u.s and all around the world to test the squadron's ability to launch large formations of aircraft at short notice if you search in the archive, you'll find many articles with photographs of aircraft taking part in this kind of drill where all types of combat planes, including tankers or mixed formations, taxi all together, more or less, in the same way that they would do in the case of a minimum uh, interval takeoff. And then depending on the purpose of the training event, they either take off or turn back to their parking slots. Uh, in the military aviation community, this process is known as an elephant walk. 
a term that originated among the U.S. Air Forces during World War II when hundreds of aircraft would taxi in single-file lines that resembled elephants walking to a watering hole. Actually, most of the times these walks are staged just to get some nice shots. Jonathan Warner, where are you? And this is perfectly fine because the photographs, uh, photographs generate much more interest as the exercise goal is obviously not to taxi along the runway in close formation, but to assess the abilities launch uh, to launch aircraft as many as possible in the shortest time possible. The latest uh, in this long series of missions readiness drills took place on November the 3rd and involved the Maryland Air National Guard that carried out a mission to generate a mission generation exercise at Warfield Air National Guard Base in Middle River, Maryland that involved 16 A-10C Thunderbolt II aircraft. That is to say every warthog as the A-10 is nicknamed assigned to the 104th Fighter Squadron. Uh, seeing the entire fleet on the runway is just an awesome display of combat power, said U.S. Air Force Colonel Richard D. Hunt, Vice Commander of the 175th Wing, in a public release. Our maintainers are some of the best in the Air Force, and this is concrete proof of our ability to bring the full force of our air power to bear whenever it is needed. He said that our ability to generate combat air power at a moment's notice helped promote regional stability because we can immediately respond to any threat, said the U.S. Air Force's uh, Brigadier General Paul D. Johnson, commander of the 175th Wing. Uh, the 175th Wing is always ready to answer our nation's call, he said, and defend our country from our adversary adversaries. Uh, we know they are watching, so it's good for them to know we can bring the fight at any time. I'm proud of our airmen, he said. Uh, their ability to generate and employ with the highest level of excellent and contested environment and with complete operational security. Well, he's very proud of his... Um, his uh, yeah. aircraft and his troops, but no, these um, I can I can still remember these flying here in the UK, Armando, many years ago from Bentwaters. There was uh, quite a number of these here based in the UK. Yeah, and the A10 definitely has a distinct sound, but mm. uh, I would echo the sentiments of these Air Force leaders. It is at any given point in your arsenal and your operations, you have a certain amount of aircraft that are down for maintenance, sometimes major maintenance, and to get the all of these aircraft airborne at the same time is pretty impressive and you know the pilots actually have the easy job they just climb into the airplane and taxi it and take off and go fly around the pattern for a little bit the 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 real heroes of any of these operations whether it's exercises or elephant walks or something like this it's uh, it's the maintainers it's the maintenance teams that are out there uh, each aircraft i Rough guess has five to seven aircraft maintainers or engineers, as you guys call them, that are working hard to keep that aircraft uh, airborne and airworthy. Um, and that's just assigned to that aircraft. There may be additional backshop maintenance that, uh, you know, your avionics guys, your hydraulics guys, your fuels guys, um, logistics, uh, air traffic controllers had to be on point for this. So it takes the entire base, um, multiple organizations to make something like this happen and it's always good from a command uh, standpoint to exercise um, the capabilities your fullest capabilities um, in order to highlight some potential vulnerabilities or weaknesses so that's it's not just for show i know they said it's just for show but there's there is a purpose in in spending taxpayer money to uh, to generate 
all of the aircraft. As you can imagine, if there was to be a large-scale conflict, that uh, it would be all hands on deck, including all the assets. So, and it makes for excellent photos as well. It does make for <laughs> great pictures. Yeah. Dirk, Dirk in the chat room says that's one elephant you don't want to mess with. No, <laughs> true that. <laughs> true that. Absolutely. Well. Have we We've got made everything out? We've made it. We've made three it. minutes to yeah. spare. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've done really well. <laughs> social what media links. Uh, Armando, what's the social media links everyone needs to find? Well, you can essentially just use the internet to search for Plain Talking UK. But if you want to be a little bit more specific than that, we have uh, Facebook, Plain Talking UK. You can go over to our uh, Twitter. We have. Uh, do we have Instagram? We don't have Instagram. We do. Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah, yeah, do. yeah we do. Yeah. yeah, I don't really use it too they're, much. Do we? They're all under Plain Talking UK. Yeah, Plain Talking UK. That's the name of the show. If you're listening to this, you probably know that already. <laughs> um, <laughs> we always like to hear from you. If you want to reach out to us directly, you can uh, shoot us a message or a picture. If you've got any interesting stories, suggestions to our WhatsApp number, that's plus four four seven five seven. Two two four nine one double six. If you want to email us, it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com or just go to the website plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, of course, if you're here and you're watching us on YouTube, you're feel free to subscribe. As we like to say, like and subscribe. Uh, you'll get notifications when we go live. You can shape the conversation by joining us in this awesome, awesome chat room, uh, which is also serves the purpose of keeping us uh, accurate. Um, it's always <laughs> great to have so, those people yeah. in there. Yeah. Sometimes the chat room does go rogue and they start talking about things that yeah. uh, usually yeah. food related food. to be fair. Have nothing Absolutely. to do with the show and then I'll join them. Yeah. yeah. What, yeah. What? You're usually Anyways. the one instigating it, to be fair. Let's let's be honest on yeah. that. Uh, uh, so don't well. forget, if you want to, we've got our 400th episode. Well and done, Matt. If you want to come and join us, we were talking about meetups earlier on and how amazing that was uh, over at Fair, um, uh, Fair Oaks. Fair, Fair Oaks, I need said Fairford. That, <laughs> that was somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, these are the details. What are they? Uh, if they'd like to come and join us. What do they need to do if they want to come and join us yes. for 400? So if you haven't already sent us an email and you want to join us on the 400th episode, which we're doing next year at Brooklyn's Museum on the 26th of February, that is a Saturday, 26th of February. If you haven't emailed us, you, you must email us as soon as you can to let us know you're coming because we need to know uh, numbers. We've had a lot of interest in this, a lot of interest. Uh, it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com is the email address to send it to. If you want to stay, we're going to be staying there on the Friday and Saturday night. Uh, if you want to stay at the hotel, which is right next door to the museum, we do have a very good uh, little rate with a code. You can click on the code and put a code in and get um, a good room rate, including um, a um, breakfast as well, which is also important. So email the show. Let us know you want to come. If you're listening to the audio podcast, send us an email in because we'd love you to join us for the 400th on the 26th of February next year at the Brooklyn's Museum. If you've, uh, we've just, it's just been pointed out by our astute chat room that uh, you may have uh, entered the code and gotten a higher price than actually quoted. Uh, if you've done that, that's by design. We're trying to pad the coffers uh, by uh, charging an extra 10% for attendance to the show. Okay. No, yeah. we're just kidding. Uh, we'll we'll double check that with the uh, with the hotel and make sure that we get the correct information. To yeah, the the link that sent out, you have to you must click on the link that we send out for the for the booking. That link will take you to a a standalone booking page for the hotel that coincides with the code 
for for the room. Yep. It does work, trust me, because I've, I've I've booked it, so um, it does work. But you need that link that will be sent out to you if you want to um, book a room there at the hotel. There we go. So there we go. That is episode number three hundred and ninety uh, <laughs> in the can. I had to refresh myself. Then ten away from four hundred, we're nearly there. So uh, that's it, then, guys and girls. Thanks everyone for joining us and uh, staying with us in the chat room. Thanks to all our audio downloaders as well. So big thanks to Armando for all his hard work today on the show. Big thanks to Matt as well for all his hard work in the studio. And a big thank you as well to John, who's uh, the voice in our ears uh, for putting all the show notes together, as always, this week. And uh, we miss you, Nev. We'll see you next week, Nev. He'll be back. Don't panic. So that's it from all of us here in the PTK studios. Don't forget daylight, daylight savings. Yeah, we've got, we've gone back. Yeah. The, the clocks have moved, is what he's saying. Oh, here. So, yeah. UT, UTC, Matt here in the US. Yeah, UTC and uh, UTC and uh, GMT are now the same. Essentially, I think is what Gin and uh, tea. That's all I heard. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> join us next Friday for. Uh, episode 391 of the show and uh, Armando last words from you thanks everybody in the chat room thanks for everybody that supports the show thanks for hanging in there uh, see you next week ta-da bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.